Welcome to another episode of Built on Passion. I'm Drew, and today we're talking to Greg Robitaille, founder of Explorer Maps. Today, we talk about how Greg and his brother combine their passions for art and geography into a successful business. Hey, Greg, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell us a bit about Explorer Maps. Well, Explorer Maps, uh, it's a family-owned and operated business. Uh, My brother and I started it 10 years ago, so we're celebrating our 10th anniversary. And what we set out to do was to create these custom, hand-drawn, original, you know, story maps of different travel destinations uh, around the world, national parks, places in Africa, and all sorts of other travel destinations around the world. And we thought we wanted to, you know, make a connection between people and place and combine Chris's, you know, love of art and uh, hand-drawn storyboards. And, you know, I've always been a history and geography buff. So we just wanted to to make those connections and create some cool memories of of people and their travel adventures. And uh, and then we decided at the time to have a real philanthropic angle to what we do as well. So we've donated about a hundred thousand dollars over the over our ten years to thirty seven different organizations. That's great. Can you uh, share a little bit more about your background and kind of how that translated into getting here? Yeah. It's certainly not a direct story um, or direct path. So my brother has been an artist and a musician since he was 10. Um, He lived in Kenya for 20 plus years. And he did these uh, hand-drawn maps of eight different African countries for an ad agency while he lived over there. I spent 24 years as a tennis pro, a high school teacher, and I've always been into, you know, history and geography and travel. And so my mom and dad and I were sitting together well, about 15 years ago talking about my brother and talking about how he's an amazing art- artist and a musician, but not too much into the business side of things. And I said to my mom and dad, I, I think I can make a living off my brother. You know, so so how do we how do we make that happen? And you know, fast forward 10 years, it's it's mutually beneficial, but mutually rewarding relationship too, where, you know, I run the business and the and that side of things and he creates the art, but um, it's brought us closer together as a family and made my pa- parents super proud that we were able to combine the talents of both of their kids and uh, and create this super niche business that we got going. Yeah, that's awesome. So you have kind of your geography and history and travel interests and your brother's, you know, art expertise. How, like, what brought you to maps specifically? Was it just obvious or what happened? Yeah, well, as as I mentioned there, Chris was doing these hand-drawn maps in Africa at the time in the mid-1990s. And, um, you know, at the time I was, I was, teaching and being a tennis pro and doing all that kind of stuff. And I just thought, oh, that style, you know, it's this antiquarian style. It kind of pays homage to the, the original cartographers. So it's, it's a real throwback, old world kind of style. And I just thought, you know, Montana, I moved here in 1993 and I thought, oh, that would be amazing. I think a Montana map would look awesome and unique and be popular in his style. So 
you know, we worked on a Montana map. I did a bunch of research. I worked with the Montana Historical Society a little bit on content and, and scale and scope. And we cranked that map out in 2010 before Explore Maps even began. And, and then it just kind of went from there. We, we transitioned over to, to Yellowstone and Glacier were the next two we did because we figured might as well do the national parks in our backyards. So, but it really came from me. Uh, my brother was published in some, some magazines and some uh, coffee table kind of books and his map artwork was there. And I was just blown away by what my brother was doing. I had never seen anything like it. And um, so I, you know, have this entrepreneurial spirit, I think you know, and it's always been a part of who I am. And I just thought, okay, let's, let's see if we can do this. And at the time I had no visions of it being a full-time business at all, but I thought I could make some money on the side and I thought we could generate some interest. So it really started just from me seeing what he was doing in Africa at the time and being just in awe of, of the detail and the artwork. So did things start out? I mean, if you go to your website now, you've got maps all over the place with from states to parks to you know you name it uh, and lots of different products but when you first started out was it just art prints or how did that work when we first started out like let's so we go past the montana map and then to the yellowstone and glacier map it took me two and a half years to get the yellowstone map approved by the national park service to be sold in the park at the visitor centers and then it took me a year and a half to get Glacier approved. And then Grand Canyon and Yosemite followed a year later. And that took six months. So people started seeing our stuff. And at the time, we thought it would just be maps and note cards, to be honest with you. And I also thought at the time that it was just going to be a business, you know, predicated on national park visitors. I thought it would just be tourists and we would just do national parks. And there's probably, you know, 25 that we want to do. But then it quickly more, you know, people saw what we did and said, oh, you know, why don't you do coasters? Why don't you do magnets, you know, and, and mugs, et cetera. And my brother and I were pretty skeptical because we didn't think that original hand-drawn detailed artwork would lend itself to some of these smaller products. But we just started getting out in front of national park buyers and they started giving me the feedback to expand the line, give it a shot. Like this is unique stuff that I think this could play really well with the visitors. And so then, you know, that's kind of what we did in the early 2010s, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, we added magnets and coasters and note cards and mugs, etc. Yeah. So it's just, but at first I wasn't thinking, you know, today we have 17 different products for every new map we create. We, we take that original art and sublimate it onto 17 different products. So, you know, today we add six new maps every year times 17 products plus two or three new ones every year. So it's, it's growing exponentially well beyond my wildest dreams or certainly what my brother thought. Uh, he didn't think he'd be a full-time map illustrator. You know, he's an oil painter by passion and profession, um, but he's definitely put his personal oil painting on hold and now he's, He's cranking full time on these maps. That's great. What's the process like? I know you mentioned you're you were in stores for some of these national parks. Uh, obviously, you have your website. So now, how how are you guys selling? Are you in stores just in those national parks? Are you selling in other retailers? How does that work? Yeah, so we've got a few different distribution models right now. We're we have twenty 
three national park maps. And by national parks, two or three of those are public lands, like Black Hills Parks and Forest is technically what it's called, but it's the Mount Rushmore public land area. So we have 23 national parks. We're sold in all the visitor centers at those parks, as well as through retail concessionaires. You know, each park will have a nonprofit partner that runs the visitor centers and bookstores. And then every park has a retail concessionaire partner, Delaware North, Santerra, et cetera. And they run, you know, Old Faithful Lodge and Inn or, you know, the Awani Hotel in Yosemite. So they, they do the those concessionaires. And then, you know, we're sold in a lot of the gateway communities to the parks. So today we have about 750 accounts nationwide. And a lot of those have nothing to do with national parks. Obviously, we've got 53 maps right now in our collection. So 30 of those other maps are non-national park related at all. So we're in, you know, the communities up near the San Juan Islands or Lake Tahoe or Sanibel Captiva. And then we do have a, a, a B2C as well. You know, we have a e-commerce platform, Shopify, and we do a lot of business through that as well. Great. So when you start doing the maps, like say you're going to take on a new map. Um, I know you mentioned when you worked with the Montana map, you kind of talked to the historical society and all that. What goes into developing a new map? That's probably the area where I'm most passionate right now and where I feel what we do is totally different and unique from other people. When we start, so right now we're trying to work on six maps a year. That's about the rhythm that we can do, five or six. You know, each one takes six to seven weeks of meticulous artwork on my brother's behalf. So we try to choose them carefully and at least two or three every year are what I call collaborative partnerships, where we partner with a nonprofit foundation, where we give back a percentage of proceeds in perpetuity to that organization. And it's zero risk to them at all. And they're always amazed at, you know, what's the catch here? Why are you reaching out to me? So it's a combination of Greg reaching out to some of these organizations if it's an area we want to do, or it's these organizations finding us and reaching out to us, asking what can we do to create a custom map. So I, we spend months researching the content, you know, the scale and scope and design layout of the map. I'll share that information with Chris. Chris will, you know, render a, a really rough pencil sketch of what it might look like. Like we're working on a map of the Adirondacks now in upstate New York, you know, and so Adirondack State Parks has poked around for the past couple of years, seeing us at different shows and saying, you know, how can we get involved? So we'll share with them that initial sketch. They'll say, oh, it's amazing. Or they'll say, oh, it's amazing. But, you know, we're, we're missing this or let's do this differently. Or, you know, everyone's got different needs. And sometimes if it's if it's a park entity with any government arm to it, you know, it's got to go through a review board. But that partnership collaboration is is what I love to do. I meet people from all over the world. You know, we just met a group the from the Caribbean Tourism Council at a Vegas show. And so I'm working with them now to develop this new map of the Caribbean and they're helping us best decide what obviously this stuff has to sell, but what best represents that story. And that destination, you know, because we we want to feature the destinations or places that we do, and we want to tell the story through art. So with all that collaboration, do you find that 
you're able to kind of keep a consistent style or are you finding that some parks want something completely different or how does that work? Pretty much. I think people see what we do and if you're drawn to it, no pun intended, then, you know, that's what you're looking for, for your park or destination or, you know, location, whatever the case may be. Our our state maps, our state and city maps that we've done with one exception are all on our own without collaborative partnerships. It would be too hard to get, you know, a stakeholder involved for the state of Michigan, for example, or, you know, too many players there. But typically what we do is we respond to what they're thinking and feeling for sure. Some people might want a slightly different color scheme. You know, some people might want it more poppy in color or more antiquarian and less, you know, a little more sepia. But for the most part, they embrace the style that Chris does and and say, you know, that looks awesome. There's nothing like that of Chesapeake Bay, for example, which we just finished and released last week. And they'll say, how do we get one of those? You know, what what's required for, for you to create one of Chesapeake Bay? That's great. So tell me a little bit about, I know you mentioned the philanthropic partnerships that you have. How do you guys go about picking those charities and what does that process look like? Well, it's a little different for each one, but again, I would say along with the, you know, the, the actual philanthropic element to what we do is also one of my passions right now. We will, for example, with the Chesapeake Bay map, we reached out to Chesapeake Bay Foundation. With our Outer Banks map, which is the next one about to be released here in six weeks, I reached out to Outer Banks forever. So I'll research organizations that I think and feel fit with our mission that are, you know, the the main stewards, perhaps, of that area that we're, we're featuring. And more often than not, it's me reaching out to them as opposed to them reaching out to us because we want to make sure that we're partnering and supporting and telling the story of, of these foundations or organizations that, um, you know, that align with what we do. And that is, you know, the preservation and conservation of public lands. It's telling the story from a public visitor standpoint and the importance of maintaining these public lands for people in perpetuity. And then we're members of 1% for the planet. So our donations are, you know, funneled through that membership uh, to other organizations that are also part of 1% for the planet as well. That's great. So yeah, it's, it's a really specific and almost like on purpose mission that you guys have when you start picking these charities to kind of work with? Yeah, I I think that's accurate. The business, like all businesses, I think kind of morph over time. And where I thought we might head, you know, we've headed in different directions. But right now I'm focused on, I, I know the partner that works for us. You know, I know the partner that speaks to what we do. And I can seek out partners that I think will appreciate what we do and and can help us as well, right? It's a mutually beneficial relationship. But you're in Atlanta right now, you know, Georgia State Parks, we're exhibiting at the Great Smoky Show in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, as we speak, it starts tomorrow. 
and Georgia State Parks is coming by and Tennessee State Parks. And so they look at what we've done and they say, hey, can we do a map of Georgia or Tennessee, highlight our state parks? I know that's going to be a great partner for us, right? I mean, I, I know those are the type of peoples that are, their mission is about public lands. It's about access. It's about telling their story. It's about awareness. So, and then, and then, like I said, and then we'll go to a show and somebody from the Caribbean Tourism Council will come by and that, that is a nonprofit, but it's a totally different type of partner. And then I tell my brother, I go, hey, Chris, guess what? We're changing gears. You know, Caribbean has moved to the top, top of the list and, uh, you know, the other things slide down. So our, our production queue schedule changes quite a bit. And uh, a lot of that is determined by potential partners and areas that fit our style. Our style does not fit for every location or destination. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say has been the hardest part of starting this business? Well, I think I think for the most part, managing growth. In the last two years, I can unequivocally say managing growth has been my biggest challenge. We were growing really nicely in 18 and 19, nice organic growth. And then like so many businesses, we tanked in COVID. You know, the three employees I had all got furloughed and I was by myself for four months shipping puzzles out of the warehouse because that was the only thing that sold for pretty much the whole year. But since then, we kind of used that time to reinvent ourselves and, and, you know, recreate who we were. And Chris and I really fine-tuned our mission of philanthropy and partnerships and really wanted to focus on family and telling stories. And it's worked. And because it's worked and working, we have grown, thankfully, exceptionally well the last two years. And it's been very challenging for me managing growth, both in a physical inventory kind of way, but also in a people team kind of way. And right now I've got, you know, seven full-time people here in Missoula, everyone in Missoula, and it's stinking awesome. I mean, it's just, it's a great feeling but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And, and so the team is great. And then with that growth, you know, the, the financial challenge is along with keeping up with the orders and keeping up with the demand, it's been a, a you know, a huge outlay of inventory and finances. And, and I've learned a lot and I've surrounded myself with some, some good mentors that, that helped me in that area. So, and I'm super proud of the growth of, you know, where we're at now and the team, but Say those two areas are, are definitely the toughest now. And in the early years, it was just all about convincing people that this was cool. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I love it. My brother loves it. I think it's unique and original and, you know, super awesome. But no one had seen anything like it on the market. So it was definitely a, a tough sell to the national parks, you know, 2012 through 2016. Those were four or five years of tough, tough slogging, trying to get the message out and trying to market it. Okay. But you got in there and now I imagine the, the last part was a lot easier than the first part. Yeah. So, so now we're part of this organization called Public Lands Alliance, PLA, and they're the, all the nonprofit partners that represent all of our public lands. And, you know, we deal primarily with the National Park one. So now when we go to that show every year and it moves around this February, it's in Portland. We have amazing partners and they all know us and we're growing with all of those partners. 
that we have every year. And we're picking up two or three new partners every year, you know, where we, where we want to focus. Yeah. So it's been amazingly rewarding and developing those relationships again has been a passion of mine. Kevin Havron, who's our national sales manager, sort of heads up that the key account and public lands alliance part of it right now. And he's done just a phenomenal job since COVID of, of growing that aspect of the business. But again, it's, it's all about relationships for us. And if you build relationships and you're genuine about what you do and you have a good product and a good story to tell, then I think it's just a matter of time before people start appreciating that and, and uh, you know, bringing you into the fold, so to speak. Awesome. Well, before we wrap this up, I want to give you a chance to kind of tell everyone how to find you and where to get your stuff. Well, we are Explorer Maps, and that's no E in front of the X. So it's www.xplorermaps.com. And I say that slowly because people always get it wrong. They want to still put the E in front of it. But no, we're not going to change that anytime soon. That's our website. It's a pretty robust uh, e-commerce platform on Shopify. You can find all 50 plus maps that we have, plus 17 different products for almost all of those maps. And we do about 12 to 15 wholesale trade shows around the country. But we're really, really starting to gain traction with the outdoor traveler, you know, the person who gets out there exploring. And everyone wants something from their journey. You know, it could be a shot glass, it could be a hat, it could be a hoodie, who knows? But we're trying to make that connection to people in place special and different and a little bit more unique. So yeah, please check us out on our website and um, you can read more about the story. But, but to me, it's, uh, you know, it's about family. It's about philanthropy and it's about a cool, unique product that we, we want to share with as many people as possible. Thanks, Greg. It was great talking to you today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Built on Passion podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are still listening right now, you need to leave a review. Like seriously, if you are committed enough to listen to the outro, then you must be a fan and we would love to hear your thoughts. Be sure to share this episode with a friend who's thinking about starting a passion project business. And as always, tune in next week for another episode.